Welcome to How Do You Write? I'm your host, Rachel Heron. On this podcast, I talk to authors about how they write, what their process is, and how their lives fit together. I'll keep each episode short so you can get back to writing. Well, hello, writers. Welcome to episode number 309 of How Do You Write? I'm Rachel Heron. I'm so glad that you are here with me today on an episode that I have been so excited to share with you. Today, I'm talking to Sarah Cannon, who many of you may already know if you have followed her success as a writer, if you have been any part of her classes on writing productivity. I adore Sarah. I think she's just the best. I love her videos. I love talking about process and productivity and highlighters and Kanban boards and all of the stuff. So that is coming up and you're going to enjoy it so much as we geek out on all of that stuff. And, um, really talk about doing our writing. So what has been going on around here? A little bit of a catch up. Well, this week I had my launch party and I know it seems like it's coming very late because it is, um, but you know, things move slowly, but this was the launch party for the paperback version of Hush Little Baby. And in really exciting news, it came out in New Zealand. It was not supposed to. When a publisher picks up a book, they may pick up uh, world English rights, but that doesn't always mean that they publish in all those countries, uh, which is why it's great to have an agent and be, you know, have an agent watching out for all of those rights being utilized. And Penguin Random House Australia was not going to print the book. I approached Penguin Random House New Zealand and I said, well, you know, and I, meaning my editor and my agent and I approached them and said, you know, Rachel lives in New Zealand now. She is a New Zealand citizen. She's half Kiwi. Would you like to produce this book? So they, in concert with Penguin Random House Australia, which is where the books are printed, they printed, they printed Hush Little Baby in paperback when the United States did. And, uh, oh, I don't think I told you all, but if you follow me on TikTok, um, maybe I mentioned it, but. I saw it in the airport. I saw it in the airport of Wellington. I saw it in the airport in Auckland. Super, super bucket list. It's hard to get into airports and um, it's probably easier in a small country like New Zealand, but still those are limited shelf slots and it was in there and I was so thrilled. It has been in every book store that I have popped my nose into, which is quite a few in the last few weeks. And so on uh, Tuesday night, well, it was my launch party at Unity Books, which is, I just found out that in 2020, it was voted the international best bookstore in the world or something like that by somebody important. That's a cool story, bro. I should have some statistics to back that up, but it is an incredible bookstore. And they agreed to do my launch party, which as soon as I entered into talking about doing this there, I regretted my life and every choice I have ever made ever because events stress me out so much. They stress me out so badly. I cannot even tell you how badly they stress me out. I do not mind speaking in front of people. I don't mind getting up in front of a crowd of 20 or 2000 and speaking. It's exciting for me while I'm doing it. Leading up to it, I have a really hard time. If I am talking about something like writing, like, you know, I'm I'm a, I'm a keynote for Romance Writers of New Zealand, the national conference next month. I cannot wait. I will be a tiny bit nervous about that, but I will not feel about that like I do about something which makes a big deal about me. At the conference, I get to make a big deal about writing and help other people out. 
for a launch party. Ugh, my stomach turns just as I'm saying it. For a launch party, it's all about you. All eyes are on you. You have to make a good impression. You have to bring bodies into the bookstore. I'm always convinced that there will always be one person there and the bookstore will think I'm the biggest loser and I will waste everybody's time involved. And um, y'all, I talked myself into what is known uh, in migraine land as a gastric migraine. And it is true. You probably heard that you have basically have two brains in your body. One is in your head and one is in your gut. And they are brains. They work really, really similarly. If this is a brand new idea to you, Google it. It's fascinating. But migraineurs, people who get migraines, can get them in their stomachs too, in their abdomen guts area. And that is where my migraine went. So um, it's probably a little too much information, but I spent 18 hours in the bathroom. (laughs) before before the event. And I was actually, I was in so much pain, but I was actually grateful it was a gastric one because if it had been a head one, I would have been on too much medicine and unable to speak. So at least this way, I was able to go to the event. I probably looked a little bit pale. I put on extra lipstick. I did not faint. And, uh, and, it, and it happened. And the launch party went off fantastically. It, there it was standing room. There were chairs and there were people standing. And um, something that was super exciting to me was that I didn't know everyone. Usually at every oh, at every book launch, every book reading event I've ever had, you look around the room and there's only the people that you know well, like your your bestest friends and the one guy who was out on the street and it was cold and they saw that there was wine in the store. So they come in. That's who's there. But Wellington is such a literary town. And people really read here. When you go into Unity Books, it's always packed. No matter what time of day or night, people are buying books all the time, even though they're a lot more expensive here. And it was it was packed. Um, and I counted later because I am that guy. But uh, the next day when I was journaling about it, I was writing down the names of the people who came that I did know. And I realized that I had, was it 18 or 19? It was 18 or 19 friends that came, people that I call friend, people that, you know, I had some really close friends there. And then I had some other people that I just really care about and, you know, don't necessarily talk to on a daily basis, but talk to often that live here, that live close by. I looked out into the room and I saw my friends and I have lived in Wellington for less than a year, and I am so happy that that is what happened. Plus, there were strangers in the room. Again, strangers who were in the room and bought the book and talked to me afterwards and got me to sign it. That was super exciting. My friend Anne Kemp, who is a rom-com writer and a cozy mystery writer, uh, sat up there with me, and she interviewed me. Thank God I wasn't alone. Oh, and precious, precious group of friends, uh, some writer friends of mine sent me flowers to the store, this immense bouquet that my friend Isabel, who works at Unity Books, brought out to me at the beginning of speaking, which literally brought tears to my eyes and, you know, suddenly, wow, what is going on? The, The flowers were gorgeous. But anyway, it was... It was the best night. It was the best night. I got to hang out with friends and I got to talk about books and I got to Uh, live through the mortification of pushing a book, which is really, really unpleasant for me. And also um, I remembered to breathe and enjoy and revel in the moment that I'm signing books and talking to people about this book that I love. Uh, 
it's it's the best book that I've written um, and published so far. And I had a really, really wonderful moment where um, one of the bookstores sellers took me over to the New Zealand fiction sign and photographed me under it. And now I'm shelved under New Zealand fiction. And mm, it was, it was just, it was the best y'all. It was, it was so good. It was so good. And I'm so grateful. And, um, and, and the best part is, is that it's over and I don't have to do it again <laughs> uh, for a long time. So, um, of course my brain says I will never do that again. And my brain always gets the best of me and then I will do it again someday. Uh, and hopefully I will remember at that point that it is fun. So what else has been going on? My brain is completely mush. I will probably cancel. I almost used a police code right there. I almost used a police code for cancel. I have not worked police in many years, many, many, many years. Uh, I will cut this short. I will abbreviate this right now after I say that I am revising to deadline. It is the 30th as I record this. My book is due on the 11th and I am 65,000 words revised in this book. After nine weeks of writing it, I did have that false start and I threw away, you know, 27,000 words. But when I started it on April 27th, it's only been nine weeks that I've written this book. And now I'm 65,000 good revised words that I'm comfortable setting, sending to the editor. Who knows what's going to happen tomorrow or for the, for the rest of the book? Crossing my fingers, but it's going so well and it's still really fun. And um, so that's that's where my brain is. But I did revise 9,000 words today, which is probably too many. So I'm going to turn this interview over to Sarah now, and you're going to love this. Please uh, enjoy it. Here's Sarah's bio. Sarah Cannon is the indie author of more than 25 young adult contemporary fantasy novels, including her best-selling Shadow Demon Saga. Her novels often stem for her, from her own experiences growing up in the small town of Hawkinsville, Georgia, where she learned that being popular always comes at a price and relationships are rarely as simple as they seem. With over three quarters of a million books sold, Sarah is also passionate about helping fellow authors learn to self-publish in a way that puts joy and creativity at the forefront. She is the host of the successful YouTube channel, Heart Breathings, where she focuses on productivity and building positive momentum. Sarah currently lives in Dallas, Texas with her supportive husband and two young children. Please enjoy the interview. Please get a little bit of your own writing done. Please come tell me about it. And here we go with Sarah. Do you wonder why you're not getting your creative work done? Do you make a plan to write and then fail to follow through again? Well, my sweet friend, maybe you'd get a lot out of my Patreon. Each month I write an essay on living your creative life as a creative person which is way different than living as a person who binges Netflix 20 hours a week, and I have lived both of those ways, so I know. You can get each essay and access to the whole back catalog of them for just a dollar a month, which is an amount that really, truly helps support me at this here writing desk. If you pledge at the $3 level, you'll get motivating texts from me that you can respond to, and if you pledge at the $5 a month level, you get to ask me questions about your creative life that I'll answer in the mini episodes. So basically, I'm your mini coach. Go to patreon.com slash Rachel, R-A-C-H-A-E-L, to get these perks and more. And thank you so much. All right. Well, I am so excited to say hello to you, Sarah. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. I'm glad to be here. I've been looking forward to this. Will you please um, share with us how you pronounce your name and your pronouns? It is Sarah Cannon and I am she, her. 
Thank you very much. So you do a heck of a lot for the writing community. This is how I know of you. Like my listeners, my readers, my students are always like, but do you know Sarah Cannon? I'm like, yes, I do. I love her. I love her. Um, And I, it was years ago, years ago that I first um, tried the HB90 planner, which is your heart breathings, um, 90 day quarterly planner, loved it. Um, but it wasn't until this last year that I actually took your, uh, HB90 course yes. about planning. <laughs> um, you're familiar with Becca Syme and the Clifton strengths. Love Becca. Yes. I, I we're need, good friends. Yeah. Adore her. That's what I thought. <laughs> I, I think it was something that she said to me, like, is Sarah coming on your show? Something like that. Um, <laughs> she's, she's the one who really made me very comfortable with this idea, and this is why I signed up for your class, was um, I get energy pennies from planning. Mm, me too. Not, <laughs> not so much energy planning, uh, energy pennies for the doing. And it released all of this mm. stuff for me. Like, I just get to plan. I got to take your whole course. I enjoyed every single minute of it. I'm going to do it again. And I don't care that I'm off course. Like, I'm I'm still moving forward. Yep. Um, can we talk about, before we get into the normal questions, um, how you came to love productivity and all that it's about. Well, you know, I think that I loved it from a very young age and I was always, my mom was a teacher. Her sisters are teachers. There's a lot of teachers in my family. So growing up with teachers, you've got, you know, worksheets and pins and papers and stuff around home. And I think that was a way that I got close to my mom when I was younger is she was always grading papers or she was going back to school. And so I had that school mind, you know, and loved to write on stuff, but I always wanted pink paper, better markers. And we never really had the resources for a lot of things like that. And then when I got older and started going to regular like staples or whatever, it was always very like masculine business planners, or it was floral Bible verse planners, which nothing against either one of those, but it just wasn't kind of my style. And so I was always trying to like decorate them or do my own thing or create my own. And I, when I became a writer, I started to understand that the cool thing about that was sort of that I was going to get to be a student for the rest of my life. Exactly. I love, I have had that revelation over and over again, and I love it. It's like, oh my gosh, I get to, you know, I literally am surrounded by color-coded post-it notes and things like that all the time, but they're, it's useful, but I also get that lift of motivation and boost. And I just love it. It gives me energy. And I I think I've always been into that, but it wasn't until I became a writer that I started thinking, oh, I can use all these fun tools and color-coded post-its and index cards. And it just blossomed from there. (laughs) And other people will dive right into that with you and want to do that as well. I absolutely love that. So let's talk about your process as a writer. What, um, what is your writing process? When you, when we're talking about you writing your fiction. So I have tried for a long time to be the type of writer that I think we all feel we should be. I'm going to get up in the morning. I'm going to write from this hour to this hour, and I'm going to sit down and be a professional. But over the last couple of years, I have started to understand that not everybody's process needs to look the same. And if something works for you, you shouldn't feel guilt or shame around the fact that this is the way I do it. So for me, I am a binge writer. I 
could spend months thinking and mulling over plot, playing video games and doing things that sort of get me thinking about the types of heroin I want to ride or the types of magic system. And then once it clicks for me, it clicks. And then I could just write the whole novel in, you know, 30 days or, or something like that. And then of course, there's a lot of editing to do after, but for me, if I can sort of, um, portal in, this is sort of a Becca term as well. When we were talking about it, if I can sort of portal into that story world and just live there, I can get a lot done and I have a lot of stamina for that. But then after it's done, I need a big break. Whereas, you know, some writers can be really consistent and write a thousand words a day, every day and get so many novels done and just turn from one book to the next. I tend to spend a lot of time plotting, thinking, and then it'll usually be some kind of twist for me. Cause I'm, I'm all about the twists. I love the twists and I'll be thinking what's going on in the story. And then someday it'll just click in. That's the twist. That's the big thing. And then all, everything falls into place. And then I just binge, write If I can, how are you keeping track of your plotting ideas at, at this stage? Is it all in, in journals or booklets or do you do spreadsheets? What are you using? I don't use any digital tools really, but I have been getting into, I really want to try things like campfire or plotter because I think that because you can color code and do some interesting things there, I think maybe that would work for me, but mostly it's all on paper for me. And so I have a happy planner and I can add pages or take pages away from it. And I plot and keep everything in there. And then I have, I don't have any to show you because I I think they're in a box somewhere, (laughs) but I keep uh, like a ring, one of those kind of like book binder rings Mm -hmm. and it's just full of note cards. And so I'm constantly jotting down scene ideas and things like that. And I just keep them on that ring. So I don't lose them, (laughs) learn to that the hard way. (laughs) And so that my two-year-old doesn't put them out of order. They can always stay in that little ring. So those are kind of my two biggest places where I keep track of it, but we just moved into a new house and I just bought this huge acrylic whiteboard, like a clear acrylic whiteboard. That's going to go on the wall in my office and it's going to be posted. No heaven in there. (laughs) I cannot wait. Uh, My sister just told me, and I thought of you actually, when she said this, she just told me that, do you know, there's contact paper, magnetic whiteboard. What? (laughs) No, I had no idea. Stick it up anywhere. She got some, like imagine. So yeah, but the acrylic sounds very, 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 very cool. One thing that That I really enjoy about you and your videos, and everybody should go over and follow you at Heart Breathings is the YouTube video for uh, the channel, right? For the writers, Um, is you make plans and you talk really openly about. You know what? That didn't hit that. Let's let's read in 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 my world. I call that rejiggering. How yeah. did you how did you come to that place? Because it is a, it's a pretty vulnerable place to be talking to people. This is what I want to do. Oh, this is what I didn't do. Yes, I I think it comes naturally to me to share that sort of stuff because I always have struggled with comparison. Yeah, and so coming from that place, I think I spent so much of my life looking at other people. And especially, you know, we all talk about this with social media that you see so much of people following through or the goals or, you know, all that stuff. And it, it just really derailed me for years, especially at the beginning of my writing career. I thought everybody has it together, but me, I cannot get this together. And that was a big part of wanting to share it was to say, you know, I don't have it together. 
I never hit every single target. I always behind on my books. Sadly, that's something I would like to remedy, but I'm still successful. And so I think that there needs to be that message put out there and to be shown that, Hey, you know what? You can make a lot of mistakes. You can follow some wrong paths and you can still make your way and find success, even if you're not perfect. And I think that that's just something that I feel really passionate about sharing. And unfortunately, in in some ways, there's no way to share that unless you are going through it. So sometimes it's painful and, you know, hard to share those things, but also I I hope that it means something to people. It does mean something to people. It means something to me and so many of your other fans who watch you talk about this honestly. And it inspires me to always be honest with where I am in the process too. And I really appreciate that. What is your biggest challenge when it comes to writing? It's, I think it's always that give and take between wanting to make the money, find the success, please my readers for sure. Just really wanting to make sure that nobody's disappointed in me and that I'm, I'm showing up the way I need to, but then also trying to honor that creative side of me that just needs the space to think through it, you know, because I have this process of really needing a long time to think through the plot, which maybe then you could say the plot is always the hardest part for me (laughs) is I feel like once that comes together, the writing is not easy, but it flows. And up until that point, no matter what I've tried, I cannot force myself into that place of creativity. And that probably is my, biggest struggle. And I am always on this sort of teetering edge of wanting to learn how to force myself into that place and then wanting to accept myself as I am. Yeah. Where is intellection in your strengths? I don't know for sure, but I think it's pretty low. Oh, really? Because it sounds (laughs) like, it it sounds like you're like the, the overthinker too. Like, like I am too. I really struggle with plot myself. It's definitely not in my top five. And it wasn't until I met Becca um, in person at Nink that she helped me unlock the full 34 or whatever it is. But I, I, she probably knows more than I do where it is because she remembers that stuff. Probably does. And I do not know how (laughs) she remembers that. What is your biggest joy when it comes to writing? It's, you know, it's that click moment for me that sometimes it comes in the strangest places or strangest times, like in the middle of the night or that I'll be doing dishes or just not even thinking about the story at all. And it almost always comes in, in a vision, which I know sounds a little bit cheesy, but tell us more about that. It's like, it'll be a character standing in a closet, running her fingers against clothing And for some reason, that moment, like literally just got chills just now thinking about it, which is so crazy, but that is the joy for me is just that moment when the vision of who that character is or what that twisty moment is, is like ecstasy for me. I love it. And then, you know, I sometimes will compare it to, you know, those old like bank robbers and they're listening to the lock and they're hearing the clicks, you know, you can spend all this time listening to the click, trying to like unlock that story. And then that last little like tumbler falls into place and the whole thing opens and there's the treasure. That's the moment of, of joy for me in the writing is that, twisty or like where the deep meaning really comes in and you know, this comes from something outside myself. 
Yeah. And it does, right. It really does feel that way. And I love yeah. that analogy of the tumblers falling into place. Um, I tend to have more of like slow and steady opening tiny safes, getting closer and closer <laughs> to the big safe. Can you share a craft tip of any sort with us? You know, I, I really think it's not so much a craft tip as much as a mindset tip, I guess, Please. is that I, like I was saying earlier, I think that we observe other people and we always think that's how I should do it. Mm-hmm. Okay. If some people say you have to plot, you got to know your characters ahead of time. And so then we say, well, that's what I have to do. And we sort of try to squeeze ourselves into this box of, well, I have to plot. And then we spend all this time completely ignoring the intuitive part of the process where maybe you don't need to plot. Not everybody does. I have a brilliant writer friend, Deborah Dunbar, who she just kind of has a loose idea, makes a couple notes and off to the races and her books are brilliant. And so it's like, you, you can't really judge anyone else's process because everybody has their own unique thing. So as a tip, just listen and absorb because we do learn from how other people right. And what their process is, but trust yourself too, because some part of you intuitively knows how to tell that story. And so just don't try to force something that isn't you just do your thing and trust that. I love that getting out of your own way and trusting that, especially when your best practice sometimes goes against the most popular advice, like you being a binge writer, like That is just one of those soapboxes that I will get on over and over again. (laughs) That is a fabulous way to write. And it's against though you got to write every day. I I was ashamed of it. To be honest, I was scared that people would judge me. I still go through days where I'm scared. People are going to judge me because they'll think you wrote 17,000 words in a weekend. That has to be terrible words, but it's like, Oh, but that actually ends up being better words than if I had written a thousand words that I, you know, tortured myself to write every morning. And then there's the fear that people will compare themselves to me and be like, well, I'm no good because I can't write 17,000. So I think that is also something I've struggled with, but I'm finally starting to just accept it and talk about it. And then the more I do, the more I realize there are other people that are exactly like there are me. a lot of you. That's why yeah. I love hosting the show, honestly, is because I am such a process productivity junkie. I just want to hear everybody's tools and for everyone else to hear all of the tools so that we can try them all. Like I, yeah. I love the fact now that I, that I know that I love to plan and, and I don't have to feel bad when I fall down on the plan. I just get to plan again. I just get to do more planning. Okay. So what, uh, what thing in your life affects your writing in a surprising way? This is a tough question. Everyone says that. That's why I like asking it. (laughs) My, my husband said, uh, you know, how much are you going to talk about how amazing I am in this interview? He was just kidding. (laughs) And I said, oh, you know, this would be a good answer to the question because I could say, surprisingly, my husband's terrible ideas actually help me in my process because That's he hilarious. The, he's the king of giving me like just throwing out the most, well, Harper could just go do this, you know, and it's something really stupid in my opinion. And I'm just like, that's the worst idea, but it just gets me thinking outside the box. And so sometimes his harebrained ideas really do get me thinking a lot, but I think my real answer to the question is, <laughs> you know, I don't know if this is really surprising or not, but playing video games 
and doing things that also contain story is really part of the work for Mm me. And I've started to understand as I have a two-year-old and a nine-year-old at home, and I'm now running two YouTube channels and courses and other things that mean that I can't just be a writer, that the more I fill my plate with things that are not creative fun and creative play, the harder it is for me to get to that magical creative moment of the twist. And so that's another struggle, but that's kind of a surprising thing is that taking more time off from the work side of being a writer is actually helpful in my creativity that I can't just sit down at any point and be like, well, now I'm going to make the magic happen. But if I actually take more time off to go sit outside and watch the sunset and play with the kids and, you know, color or playing video games is kind of my favorite thing Mm -hmm. to do. And just sitting there playing left for dead zombies or, you know, whatever with my sister for three hours, sometimes after that, the ideas will start flowing again, which is surprising to me because you would think it's just frivolous fun time and wasting your life on video games, but it's actually highly creative for me. And I, I just love consuming story in that way. Cause Did I think, cause I'm so visual. That's yeah. part of why. Yeah. And I am absolutely the, I'm almost, I can't remember what the word is. It's not aphasic. Maybe it is, but where you can't really see anything in your mind's eye. Oh my gosh. I, have yeah. that. I just see words all the time, but I just can't see images. <laughs> and I'm, I'm a little jealous of people who could see all the things. And therefore I think, I wonder if that's why I don't play video games, but my wife does. Did you read that book um, about gaming and how good it is for your brain? That, no, but now I need to go find it. <laughs> Becca, Becca was recommending it because she was all about it for a while. And um, while I'm going to the next question, I will, I will pull up the title because we need to be able to talk about this. Uh, Here it is. The, the law, is that it? Let me just, let me just open it because this is a very casual um, podcast, (laughs) the way we do this. Uh, Yes, this is it. Um, It is the long game. No, that's not it. I'm going to find it. Never mind. Let's go back to the last question. And then I will, (laughs) I will update this. Um, What is the best book that you have read recently? And why did you love it? Oh gosh, I have read a lot of good books lately, but so many of them are nonfiction. So I really want to pull out a fiction book, but okay, either. (laughs) Uh, I I tend to read nonfiction in binges as well. I just, especially like either uh, books on how to be a better businesswoman or things that really encourage me, but Fiction wise, I loved a good girl's guide to murder by Holly Jackson. That book was so good. It's young adult. It's a young adult thriller, but it's like a high school senior who chooses her senior project is to reinvestigate a true crime (gasps) in her town. Kind of it's similar to the whole like Adnan Syed serial case, you know, where it's like, did he or didn't he? And so she goes to investigate and befriends his, you know, brother. It's really, really good. I loved it. And it immediately made me want to go back to a project that I had started when I was pregnant, um, that I was calling the disappearance of Vanessa Shaw. That's a young adult thriller. And I'm like, oh, I, need, uh, I need to get that creative juices flowing again. Cause I loved it. So that, that book I loved. And there's, I think two more in that series, but I haven't had a chance to read them. So oh, that sounds like something that needs to go on my TBR pile. I love, I uh, love that. Um, I did find the name of the book. It's called super better. Uh, by Jane uh, McGonigal. I feel like I've heard of this, but you I may have, have heard of it through, through Becca, but it, it really yeah. is about, um, 
the power it's uh, the subtitle is the power of living living gamefully and how much games of all sorts can do to help our creativity our health all of it um so it's again and in your face if you think I shouldn't be doing this and that's always enjoyable. Um, speaking of books, can you please give us two plugs, um, a plug for your most recent or whatever fiction uh, project that you want to send us to. And also tell us a little bit about heart breathings. Okay. So I am currently working on the 12th and final book of my shadow demon saga. So Beautiful Demons was the very first book I published in 2010. So I have been working on this series wow. for over a decade. And there are 11 books in the main series and then five books and novellas that are spinoffs from that. So this has been a great majority of my writing life has been in this yeah. world. And book 11 came out last year. Book 12 is in the works right now and will come out at some point this year. And so if you want to get in on it before the final book comes out and join, if you, if you're a binge reader and you want to check them all out, beautiful demons is available for free in ebook form. Actually, the first three books are all free in a box set called the beautiful demons box set. So you can get it anywhere that you Fabulous. can get ebooks. Oh, wonderful. Excellent. And then <laughs> heart breathings. <laughs> So Heart Breathings is my YouTube channel. So it's just youtube.com slash heart breathings. And there are, if you, if you're just getting introduced, there are lots of playlists there on productivity and my use of the Kanban board in the HB90 system. If you're into post-it notes, or you're just looking for more productivity tips and mindset stuff about not pushing yourself too hard, but really giving yourself a realistic schedule. There's a lot of tips for that. And then there are a few pl playlists on how to plot your novel, how to edit your novel, how to write a series and things like that. So there's lots of good stuff for you to binge over there too. You do such a good job with such a huge open heart and willingness to share. And I really, really appreciate that about you, Sarah. Thank you for thank coming you. on the show. This is a, a bucket list checkoff. I'm so glad that. Uh, oh my gosh. Thank you. you so much. All yeah. Right. This take, was awesome. I appreciate it. Happy writing to you. Thank you. You too. Thanks so much for joining me on this episode of how do you write? You can reach me on Twitter, Rachel Heron, or at my website, rachelheron.com. You can also support me on Patreon and get essays on living your creative life for as little as a buck an essay at patreon.com slash Rachel, spelled R-A-C-H-A-E-L. And do sign up for my free weekly newsletter of encouragement to writers at rachelheron.com slash write. Now go to your desk and create your own process. Get to writing, my friends. <laughs> <laughs>